Everybody has responsibilities we cannot avoid. And for most, the responsibility has come as a result of a decision they have made. Uh, for example, as a husband, I saw a godly wife and we both mutually made the decision to marry and accepted and embraced the responsibility on one another, to one another. As a father, I had sought the Lord with my wife to bless us with a child and in his kindness he did give us the responsibility to parent. As an employee of the church, I sought and accepted the responsibilities given to me as an employee uh, to shepherd adults and to, to coordinate prayer in the life of the church. As a student at Bible college, I've accepted the responsibility to actually study hard, to actually do what I need to do. There's grace and leniency, but I do not get out of my responsibilities. I don't get permission to get off the hook because I have chosen to come under those responsibilities. Now, in the same way, Christians, all Christians, have responded to God's calling and believed and trusted in Jesus as Lord and surrendered their lives to him. Therefore, we are his and we are part of his mission to save the lost while we still can, while there's still time. We've accepted the responsibility to go about his business, no matter the cost. And what a tremendous privilege uh, and weighty responsibility that is. This responsibility to share our faith with others is seen so passionately in new Christians who can't be shut up about their new faith, this new joy that they have in being messengers of good news. But for people who have been Christians a while, sometimes that passion fades. And why is that? Well, perhaps we've experienced gospel opposition. So we're left feeling a little rejected. Maybe a little left let down by God for what's happened. Maybe even a bit guilty that we did something wrong. And this can cause us to stop seeking and asking God for gospel opportunity. In any case, we can't get away from the fact that as the church we've been called to this, to proclaim the excellencies of Christ, to tell the world of the good news of Jesus. Now we're in a series uh, looking at the importance of prayer. And so you may be wondering why I'm talking about sharing our faith, about purpose and responsibilities. Well, I would put to you that God's word actually says that you can't separate prayer from our purpose as the church. We need to remember our purpose as a church and see how important prayer of the saints really is. If the church starts to forget its purpose, it has surely forgotten about the power that comes from being a praying church. This morning we're looking at the gift of corporate prayer. You know, when the church gathers, when it's clustered in twos or threes or, or 50 or 100 or maybe the whole body as one in one place, the church together kind of prayer. Corporate prayer is something truly amazing. And today, we're going to look at the early church's example 
of taking on the responsibility to share Jesus with the people around them and how they handled opposition and how prayer was so important to them. And we're going to see that God uses a praying church. And so let's open back up to Acts uh, 4. And we're going to continue to read the story that Richard uh, so helpfully read out. And we're going to be reading uh, Acts 4, verse 23 through to 31. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Before we go any further, let's pray together. Sovereign Lord, we ask that you would enable us to have open eyes and ears and hearts so that we can learn and understand something new and powerful about the gift of prayer. Wake us up, Lord. May we leave changed and delighting in you and what you have said in your word today. Help each one of us to know how we can play our part in the prayer life of this church. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for those that don't know me, uh, my name's Jason Crinian. And I have called this church uh, my church home for about 20 years now. Some of you probably remember me as a little, little boy, but it's been 20 years. Um, I'm on the church staff team here at City Reach, and I've met my wife here, my wife Lauren. She's called City Reach home her whole entire life, and that's nearly 30 years. You know, we, we've been very blessed with a boy, uh, Josiah. He's 15 months old. He's such a gift from the Lord to us. You know, we love our church family. And uh, I just count it a real blessing and honour to be able to uh, open God's word with you this morning. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity that our leaders have given. So we're in our passage, Peter and John have been released from prison after healing a man, a lame man that's been lame his whole life. And the preaching of the word caused this disturbance. They've been uh, um, taken into prison They've been accused, accusations have been laid against them, but they're not guilty of anything. And so that they are released, but with the warning, don't preach in Jesus' name. Their response to this gospel opposition is what? To immediately reunite 
with other believers. We read it in verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Do we usually respond like this when conflict occurs, when we're sharing our faith with others, when we experience gospel opposition? Is that our response? How do we usually respond? Well, I know that for me, I I usually feel very deflated. Have you had times when you've tried to, to share your faith, when you've tried to share biblical truth with someone, when you've felt that God has opened up a door for you to share and it's fallen flat? I know that when I experience that, it's a feeling of deflation. And I can't say my reflex is to immediately go to my community group and say how, how bad that was. And, and I actually feel a little bit shameful that it didn't go well and uh, very reluctant to share the experience. You know, in moments like that, I just need to remember that God is the one that works through my inability but importantly, that he is the one that brings about transformation. You know, in 1 Corinthians 3, it says that we're fellow workers of God. You know, we can plant and we can water, but God is the one that brings growth. So I've got to remember that. You know, that's my response to gospel opposition. Maybe you resonate with that as well. But Peter and John, they see it necessary to immediately reunite with other Christians, to share what has happened. And so Peter and John's response highlights the importance of togetherness. The praying church sees the importance of togetherness. It's not very clear in the text how many people gathered. It might have been hundreds. It might have been just a small few in in a home. But that's not really that important. the, The fact is that being together in times of gospel opposition is important. You know, we are in a spiritual battle. The enemy seeks to devour us, to destroy us. And when we're on our own, we are easier targets. When we isolate ourselves, it is very easy to be brought down by the the schemes of the enemy and we can start doubting faith, our own faith, existence of God. Being together is very important. You know, in these two photos that we'll put up on the screen... If the enemy has his back to us here in both of these images, what is a more powerful and more, a stronger example of fighting the enemy as the church? Is it doing it alone, one-on-one, or is it shoulder-to-shoulder, hoof-to-hoof, uh, coming at the, the enemy? I think it is obvious that the strength in numbers. Now, I know there are people experiencing isolation, There's people experiencing loneliness, particularly over the last 18 months, and and I recognise that. And my prayer really is that you would find someone, that God would bring someone to you to share in fellowship, to to be able to bear burdens, to be able to pray with one another. Being together allows the church to be strong. 1 Corinthians 12 says that we are a body of Christ. We are individually members, but when we... When we become Christians, we stop, to, stop being individual-minded. We are a body and we are members of it. And so we should prioritise the togetherness if we can. And it's not just being together passively, you know, just existing. But it is, like Hebrews 10 says, 
It's considering how to stir up one another to love and good works when we meet. When we experience gospel opposition, we should come together with other believers. And we can do that today in our gathering. And we can share burdens, gospel opposition. We can do that at community groups. We can do that at a flow group for the youth. We can do that in kids' ministry. We can do that in PBC gatherings when we gather once a term. We can do that in our weekly, monthly prayer gatherings. There's many opportunities. Perhaps we need to ask today as well, am I the person that God is sending someone's way so they're not lonely and missing out on togetherness with the body? It's a good thing to be together because we can actually know how to support one another. A praying church sees the importance of togetherness. Once the other Christians that Peter and John went to, once they heard about this experience, what do they do? When they heard it, they lifted their voices to God. They immediately cried out to God. Peter and John immediately went to, the, to be with other believers. When they hear the news, they immediately turn to God. They lift their voices to God. Now, is that a normal response? Well, can we be a little bit inclined to try to fix things in our own strength, on our own? I don't know if anyone resonates with me on this one, but if something needs fixing in my household, I am going to do it in my own strength. I don't need help. That block drain, I've got this. I can do it. But a five-minute job for a plumber is a one-hour job for me, messy, dirty, smelly. It's not good. My reflex isn't to turn to help, to ask for help. And I think I just, I just heard a few elbows dig into a few husbands as well, by the way. But, um, you know, the gathered church, gathered group of Christians didn't go into fix-it mode in their own strength. They didn't decide, we better put on a, a short course on compliant evangelism. Well, they didn't decide to do a, hold a conference for everyone in the area on how to not offend the lost. They didn't even ask to be spared from this trial, this persecution. Their reflex was to turn to God together, cry out to him for help. And look at the way that they prepared themselves to bring this request for help before God. Together, they acknowledged his sovereignty. Sovereign Lord. And other translations say, Master. It's a sense of, I'm your servant, you're my master, you are sovereign over all. It's this beautiful acknowledgement that God is, he is sovereign over creation, he is creator of all, he is sovereign over this moment that we face. Together they acknowledge God's predestination of trials for the church. You know, how it was no surprise to God. He says, he says God, God you, you knew that this was going to happen. It's according to your plan, according to whatever your hand had planned to predestine to take place. It's no surprise to God, it's no surprise to them. And they're reaffirming that together. Together they acknowledged that it was God who would enable them to continue. Here they say, Now God, look upon their threats and grant us the ability to have the boldness to do what you've called us to do. They acknowledge that God is in control. They do that together. 
A praying church sees the importance of togetherness, but they also see the importance of having one voice as one. The praying church sees the importance of having one voice. Now, I'm not talking about a simultaneous reciting of a prayer out loud, word for word, though that, that is very special at times. I'm talking about, by one voice, I'm saying, coming before God, together, and the words that are spoken are from the same motivation, from the same heart, the same spirit. There may be different words and topics and situations, but it comes from a place where the Christians are saying, we're rallying together, we're presenting ourselves to you and saying we are dependent on you for everything, praying with one voice. Now I want to take a moment to look at the benefits, the advantages, the the uniqueness of praying together as a body. But before I do, I want to address something. There are some of you that, that are thinking, I'm never going to pray out loud, sorry, just not. I'm going to, it's just me and God, private prayer at home. I'm, that just gives me anxiety, and so I'm not doing it, okay? Thanks very much. Now, that is a legitimate concern and, uh, and fear that people have, and I think that that is an underlying issue, fear. It might be, might be nerves, might be self-consciousness, might be comparison, you know, what if I fumble my words? What if it doesn't really make sense what I say? Isn't everyone just going to be judging what I say? What if I don't know how to end my prayer? What if I just keep going and going and going? Perhaps you resonate with one of those. You know, there is a psychological barrier that some people face, and that is legitimate. And I would encourage you to ask God to give you the ability to contribute. And I've got a few helpful tips on that in a moment. Let's briefly, though, look at the benefits of corporate prayer. You know, and it enables us to learn from one another. When you hear other prayers, the way that they articulate prayers, the way that they, they have understood God and what his word says, the character of God, the way that they revere God. You know, for me, uh, my dad is a real example to me, the way that I hear his gentleness before God, the way that he, he does have reverence for God, the way that he is silent before God. I'm learning from him. And we do, we learn from everyone in the room when we are contributing to corporate prayer. It's easier to confess our sins to one another. Now, this may seem like a bit of a strange one, maybe a bit archaic, um, but Jesus said in Mark 11 that when we're praying, if if we're holding anything against someone else, we need to forgive them so that our Father in heaven may forgive us of our sins unforgiveness really does hinder prayer and so being in the room together often gathering together with one voice it does just give us that ability to seek restoration reconciliation where that's needed if you're pray- if you cannot pray because there is something tugging at you and you need to make it right it is very helpful that brothers and sisters in christ are nearby so there is a practical element of seeking forgiveness so that our prayers won't be hindered. We can agree with one another. And I think this is a really important one because is it not encouraging when you're praying to have someone affirm and agree with, to amen uh, what has been said? 
that's not our motivation. We're not trying to get 10 amens, and we know that we've done a good job. It's, but it's encouraging to know that we are, as, we are one right now, and it's being affirmed. And so agreement is very, very good. When we pray on our own, others just don't get to hear and agree with you. And for some of you, that, that is a relief. But, and there is a place for private prayer, and we're going to learn the beauty about that next week. It's, it's going to be really special. But God does enjoy hearing his people as one and hearing agreement. At each of our monthly prayer gatherings that have begun this year, I've been so encouraged by the simplicity and the passion that's occurred in these places. And the agreement in the room has been so special. You know, when I've heard that people say, uh, when I've heard people praying and I've been able to say yes, there's just a sense of unity and oneness. You know, when I've heard people say, praying for their husband to be saved, when I've heard people praying for their nephew to be saved, I'm able to say yes with them. Lord, save that person who's far from you. You are able. Agreement is very, very powerful. And finally, we can present ourselves to God as one. Psalm 133 says that dwelling in unity is good and pleasant to the Lord and it brings blessing. To be able to come together and present ourselves as one with one voice is very special. But even in light of those good things, it's still difficult for some. And I'm not trying to uh, just say get over it at all. I think we, we do need helpful, practical tools on how to gain courage. But I do need to beg this question of you. Do you want to be able to pray with others? Do you want to pray with the saints? Do you want to pray with your church family aloud so they can agree and so that we can be one together? If you do, then just offering a very simple tip. Get a piece of paper and a pen and write a one-sentence prayer with amen at the end. It might be as simple as, Heavenly Father, I'm really thankful that I can call you my Heavenly Father, that you are my Father, I'm your child. Amen. That amen is very important because you're giving a start and an end. You can do it. And the next prayer meeting that comes up, it might be community group where you have a prayer time. It might be at one of our weekly uh, prayer gatherings, Thursday nights in the prayer room, Monday mornings in the prayer room during the term, uh, prayer, uh, once a month in the prayer time that we have in here. Bring that along. Read it aloud when there's an opportunity. Say amen and be encouraged. It, you can do it. The next time that there's a prayer meeting to be able to go to, I would encourage you to write another different one-sentence prayer with amen, but this time memorize it and come along and recall uh, by memory this prayer. And by the next prayer meeting, I think you're going to find that it's a little bit easier to hear yourself speak aloud with other people and you'll get, gain confidence knowing that you can finish a prayer. They seem like simple tools, but I know there's people here this morning that are saying, that's achievable, and I do want to pray more, so why not give it a go? Another helpful way to, to just start that, that ability of praying aloud is there are some prayer booklets at, at the exit uh, this morning for this month, and it's, uh, each day there's a, a scripture verse, 
and then a responsive prayer to it. Very short. Very short scripture passage, very short prayer. Maybe in your family, maybe with friends, maybe at community group, wherever it may be, you might like to just take that day, read the passage out loud, read the prayer. It's just one way of starting to get into that uh, ability. I believe you can do it. And I, I believe that God really wants to break down any barriers for our prayers. Because he wants his church to be a praying church where people are contributing and participating. Now, I also want to just spend a moment just looking at the hindrances to prayer. Because some of these things actually prevent those that are a bit timid to contribute. And I think you'll resonate with a few of these things. Um, inaudibility is difficult to engage with. Prayers that are very soft, prayers praying to our feet in a, in, a, uh, in a gathering is hard to listen to and it's distracting. And so I'd encourage you to lift your head and pray, to the, pray out to the room so people can hear and uh, be encouraged and actually hear the prayers. Long prayers are very difficult at times. They can be very encouraging uh, and, uh, and inspiring, but sometimes they leave us a little bit intimidated by the length. A five-minute prayer is quite intimidating. And sometimes the prayer, um, you know, who knows, we might have had someone praying for the very first time at that prayer meeting. A long prayer can intimidate them. So short and sweet is good. Gives opportunity for everyone to participate. Um, regurgitated prayers. It's a bit of a strange one. It's, in, in essence, it's just the same prayer every single time. It's something that you... One, at one point in your life, it really ministered, but you just say it every time out of habit. And, you know, don't get me wrong, the Lord Jesus gave us a model for prayer, um, but I'm talking about just wishy-washy stuff. So I've heard a story about a, a, um, a church prayer meeting where uh, one, an older gentleman one time said, uh, Dear Lord, we just, we just pray that you would wipe away all the cobwebs in our hearts sounded pretty nice the first time. It was like, yeah, Lord, just clear, clean our hearts out. But every single week, the cobwebs from our heart, it just got a little bit frustrating for people. It got a little bit distracting. And so this regurgitated prayer happening all the time. Um, one week he said, dear Lord, clear the cobwebs from our lives. And the young boy stood up from behind him and said, dear Lord, kill the spider. <laughs> and let's move on in Jesus' name. Personal prayers in public can be distracting. You know, we want to approach the throne of grace together. And so using, using language like us, we, the church, using language like I, me, can sometimes be a bit distracting in, in a gathering. Flow is another thing, you know, jarring flow, that we need to be sensitive to the mood, to where God is leading us in a prayer gathering. You know, if someone's just prayed a very delicate prayer of... Um, reverence and praise to God and then someone jumps in with a petition like God we just pray that you bring this and it goes on for ages it can that can be very jarring to flow and uh and so we want to be sensitive to where God's leading and bearing in mind that as I said there might be people in a prayer gathering that have written out a note uh, written out a prayer and they're praying it for the very first time in that prayer meeting and then someone comes in at the top takes it in a totally different direction it can be a bit oh maybe I didn't do the right thing so it's just being aware of the prayer gathering, where we're at. And I'm sure that God's going to open up an opportunity in the 
prayer gathering to share some of the things on your heart. Gospel opposition and evangelistic discouragement should cause us to seek the fellowship of other Christians, to have one voice before God. We can put legs on that today. 3.30 today, we have a prayer meeting right here. It happens every month. We do it once a month. We, we gather as, as a church body. And I really do encourage you. Some, some people might, this might be the first time you've ever heard about this. And, and we want to get better at communicating this. But I'm telling you right now, 3.30 today, we're gathering in this room for one hour of prayer. And I really believe that it's going to be a powerful time. Pastor Vincent and, and his core team for the Chinese congregation are coming out. We want to be asking for wisdom, for opportunity, for boldness, for passion to reach the lost. And so would you join us? Why not put it into practice today, some of these things? Let's return to our text. Having prayed for, as one for boldness to continue to go about the mission God has called them to, the church immediately received what they asked for. When they prayed, the place shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak boldness. The place where they shook, uh, stood shook. They were filled with what? A renewed awareness of the Spirit's power and presence in their lives and their gospel witness. And they were enabled to go in the power of the Holy Spirit that indwelt them. They were enabled to go to proclaim the resurrection of Christ with boldness, with the boldness that they asked for. And it happened immediately. You know, the praying church sees importance of expectation. A praying church sees the importance of expectation when it is aligned to God's will. Do we expect God to answer our prayers when we're asking for opportunity, for boldness, for hardened hearts to be softened to the gospel? We really do need to expect that if we're asking to be used by God to proclaim his excellencies to the world, that he will actually give us what we need to do that. We need to expect it. In Acts 12, we read of another story where Peter was in prison. And so the, when he was in prison, the church responded by sending up prayers on his behalf. They gathered to pray. Supernaturally, by the work of an angel, it says, Peter was delivered from that prison. He, he was taken out of that place. He thought he was having a vision. But afterwards, he realized, God has truly taken me from this place and freed me. And what does he do? He immediately goes to those praying. He goes to the house of Mary where they were gathered praying for him. When the little girl answered the door, she came running out and she, she recognized his voice. It's Peter. It's kind of a funny scene because she leaves him at the door and runs back in. She runs in to tell the, the people praying, it's Peter, he's here, he's free. And what do, we, what, do, what do they do? Well, I'll tell you what they do. They certainly don't stop and rejoice that God has answered their prayer immediately, that what, they, what they're asking that's actually been answered, they actually say to the little girl, you're out of your mind. They didn't believe that their prayers could be answered. And I think it's important for us to read that because it does highlight the importance of expectation, expecting God to answer prayer that's aligned to his will 
and his purpose for us as the church to go be his witnesses as christians we we already have the holy spirit spirit indwelling us we have available all that's needed to be bold witnesses for jesus but when we do ask for a fresh feeling a fresh enabling and a fresh awareness of his presence with us we should expect to receive what we need to go to have more boldness you know praying for boldness last year isn't going to necessarily be the same boldness that you have right now with what you're facing the person that you're trying to witness to the family member that's struggling in their faith praying for fresh awareness and of God's presence is really necessary God uses a praying church and a praying church sees the importance of togetherness we need to have one voice and a praying church they see that the need to expect God to give them the ability to do his work according to his will when they ask do we not want to see more people saved do we not want to see more people saved by the power of the gospel and do we not want to experience the joy of being part of that and witnessing people saved lives transformed by the power of the gospel through the work of the holy spirit church we need to come together we do we need to come together to pray with one voice to ask for boldness a fresh boldness to be able to do what god has called us to as his church you know every great revival in history where unbelieving people have had their lives transformed by the power of the gospel of jesus christ has always preceded by fervent sacrificial passionate prayer of the saints so what kind of church do we want to be because god uses a praying church so i encourage you to consider god's word this morning and let's pray now sovereign lord we're grateful for this time to spend in your word looking at the example of your church in a different time and place but with the same holy spirit power to do your work help us to consider their example and what you've been speaking to us today about prayer lord we want to be used by you and we want to see you move in powerful ways around us we want to see the lost saved lives transformed in jesus name but god we ask that you do a work in us first move us to power uh, to prayer prayer is one with one voice with much boldness we ask for much boldness god we ask for this in jesus powerful name amen